hear our scripture reading for this evening. The invisible made visible to make peace. Colossians 1, 15 through 22. He, Christ, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created, in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. And you who were once alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he is now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death, in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. Amen. You may be seated. C.S. Lewis once wrote that the first qualification for judging any piece of workmanship, from a corkscrew to a cathedral, is to know what it is, what it was intended to do, and how it is meant to be used. And this is true for corkscrews and cathedrals, but it's also true for you and for me. How are we to judge our own lives unless we know our purpose, unless we know why we're here? God's word calls us his workmanship, so what is it that we were intended to do? As many of you know, to answer that, we need to go back to the beginning, back to Genesis chapter 1. We were created in God's image to resemble him and represent him in this beautiful world that he created. In the language of the Westminster Shorter Catechism, to glorify God and enjoy him forever is our chief end. That's why we're here. And we all long to live a life full of purpose. But what does this all have to do with Advent, with the Incarnation? Where there's, a problem, where there's a problem with that purpose. There's a problem with living in the image of God. As we heard two weeks ago at the first Vespers, we exchange the image of God we were made to bear with other images. We exchange it for the corruptible images of the things around us. As Romans says, we exchange the glory of the immortal God for images resembling man and, and nature. But we saw last week, that, last week at Vespers that even though there was this big, deep problem This is not a no-win situation for God. But rather, instead, God comes down. The Son of God is made like us. As Hebrews says, he was made like us in every respect. And so tonight what we're doing is we're actually binding those two ideas together. Because through Christ's coming in the incarnation, the image of God is renewed in us. And once again, Athanasius will help guide us through these waters this evening. So the incarnation brings renewal of the image of God in two senses. First, it's both the model, and second, it's the means for renewal. First, the incarnation of Jesus provides us with the model for our renewal in the image of God. So we were made in the image of God, as we've already said, but Colossians 1.15 says this, He, that is Christ, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. We think of invisible here as as merely saying physical. We don't physically see God. But also, God is beyond our corrupt understanding. As Calvin describes it, the sum is this, that God in himself, that is, in his naked majesty, is invisible. 
and that not to the eyes of the body merely, but also to the understandings of men, and that he is revealed to us in Christ alone, that we may behold him as in a mirror. For in Christ he shows us his righteousness, goodness, wisdom, power, in short, his entire self. So God comes down in Jesus that we might know him and better bear his image as we're meant to do. For what can we reflect? Can we reflect the image of that which we don't know? Can we reflect the image of that which we haven't seen? Can we reflect the image of that which is invisible? How can we do that? Well, by the image of the invisible God. By Christ coming down, by condescension, Christ coming down to be with us. And with or without that, Athanasius puts it this way, we're all going to reflect something or someone. As other people have said, we're all going to worship something. We're all going to have an image of something. And Athanasius points out four different things that typically people in his day, and probably still in our day, image most of all. And he talks again and again how Christ is better than all of these things. We're drawn to bear the image of those around us, but Christ surpasses all other images, for Christ is God himself. Maybe we're struck by creation. Maybe we're tempted to worship creation and and form ourselves into the image of that which we see in the natural world. But remember, the natural world confessed Christ as Lord. Even the wind and the waves obeyed him. He fed the 5,000 by the breaking of bread. And at his death, the day turned to darkness. The earth trembled and the rocks split, confessing their Lord. Maybe instead we're struck by other humans. We want to worship other people that we see and conform ourselves to them. Well, no one else did the works that Christ did. I've already mentioned some of the miracles, but hear this. The blind saw, the lame walked, the deaf heard, and the dead were raised. Who else can say that? And maybe, heaven forbid, Athanasius says, maybe we're tempted to form ourselves in the image of other spiritual forces, maybe demonic forces, to try to conform ourselves to them. But our Lord Jesus put them to flight, and they confessed him in their weakness to be the Holy One of God, the Son of the Most High God, and he had power over them. Maybe instead we're struck by those who have passed on, by the heroes and poets of old, and we want to conform ourselves to those who are dead. Well, Christ was raised from the dead. He is master over death, and he is the one, the only one who reigns over death. Colossians sums all of this up, that Christ is the image of God par excellence because he is God, and therefore the creator over all things. Listen to what it says, verses 16 and 17. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him. And for him, and he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Before the incarnation, we might say that no one has ever seen God, and yet Christ himself says, whoever has seen me has seen the Father. So what are we supposed to do? Christ is our model for renewal in God's image. And so as our model, we put him first and we follow him. Colossians 1.18 goes on, and he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. As Paul says elsewhere, imitate me as I imitate Christ. In the words of the, one of the great Christmas carols, veiled in flesh the Godhead see, hail the incarnate deity, pleased as man with men to dwell, Jesus, our Emmanuel. The incarnation provides us with a model for our renewal in the image of God. Athanasius describes it this way. Think about a figure that's inscribed on a block of wood, but then is soiled by dirt over the years. 
How are we going to restore that image? Maybe one of us could go up and kind of see where the things are going and try to do it ourselves, but if we do that, we're not actually getting at the image it was supposed to be. We're rather getting at our own image, the image we want it to be. What we need instead is the figure that it was meant to be to come again so that we might see and know how to redo the picture. And we're not going to throw out that block of wood, but rather we're going to reinscribe that image on it. And our hope is just that. 1 Corinthians 15.49, Just as we have borne the image of the man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the man of heaven. But who do we imitate? Whose image are we reflecting? Are we reflecting the image of the man of dust or the man of heaven? Are we, are we forming ourselves by somebody else's image? Are we forming ourselves to be like other men, like creation, like those who are dead, like demons, like all those things Athanasius listed? Or rather, is our model Christ Jesus who came? But also, how can God's image be, as it were, reinscribed? How can we bear the image of the man of heaven and not simply the man of dust? How do we get the dirt, the stain of sin off of us so that we might better bear the image of God? And the greatest despair would only to be the per- to see the perfect model, the perfect figure of Christ coming, and then know we can never be able to actually bear that image. Well, the incarnation of Jesus, blessedly, also provides us with the means for our renewal in the image of God. For what does the image of the invisible God do when he comes? What does the one in whom all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell do? Well, he was pleased to make peace by his cross. 1 Corinthians 1, 19 and 20, For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. As John says, from his fullness we have received what? Grace upon grace. The means for our renewal. Jesus brings us back to God by himself, by by his death on the cross. And he was never overwhelmed by our dirt. He was never overwhelmed by the stain of sin we had. Rather, he's the pure and holy creator of the universe. And he came and took the form of a servant. Athanasius describes his purity like the sun. He says this, For if the sun, too, made by him and seen by us, circling in heaven, is not polluted by touching bodies upon earth, nor is destroyed by darkness, but rather itself enlightens and purifies them, by so much more the all-holy word of God, the maker of the Son and Lord, when being made known in the body, was not polluted, but rather being incorruptible, vivified and purified even the mortal body. And Athanasius uses the word vivification, right? That Christ's life gave us life through his death. And make no mistake, we needed that life. We were dead. We were dead in the trespasses and sins which we had once walked. Colossians says it this way, And you who were once alienated and hostile in mind, verse 21, doing evil deeds, he is now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. Hear that renewal language. He has now reconciled you in his body of flesh to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. And without the incarnation, we wouldn't have the Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit wouldn't have been poured out. Also called the Spirit of Christ that even now is at work in the hearts and minds of all believers. The Spirit wouldn't have come if Christ first had not come. And how would we be renewed day by day? How would would we be more conformed into God's image? without the Spirit. Without Christ, 
And without the Holy Spirit, how are we supposed to know and how are we empowered to be the image of God that he's made us to be? Back to that same carol, mild he lays his glory by, born that man no more may die, born to raise the sons of earth, born to give them second birth. So as Athanasius describes it in the image, the image is reinscribed by the figure who's there. But there's something else here that I want to get at by another example. There's a painting by Vermeer called Girl Reading a Letter at an Open Window. And in case you're curious to what, it, what it's in the picture, it's a girl reading a letter at the open window. And for many years, that's all people thought it was. It was kind of dark and dreary. You didn't know what was on the letter. You didn't know what was going on. But scientists found that there was actually another image hidden in the picture. And there were layers upon layers of paint after the life of Vermeer that somebody had painted over. And so these people painstakingly, bit by bit, tore it back. And so they revealed this beautiful image on the wall of the house of a Cupid, which represented love. And you see what it revealed was it changed the picture dramatically. Because it revealed light, it revealed love, it revealed the true purpose of the painting that was missing beforehand. And in the same way, we are empowered through Christ and his spirit. He chips away at that layer of paint, that layer of sin, that layer of dirt, so we might better bear the image of God that we were meant to bear. And the thing is, we all try this renewal ourselves. We all try to chip away at that ourselves, but we can't vivify ourselves. We can't make ourselves alive if we're dead. We need Christ, the Lord of creation, and we need his spirit. We can't do it on our own. At Christmas, we celebrate Christ's coming. And this coming means a renewal of our very purpose for why we're here. When the image of the invisible God comes, only then can the image of God be renewed in us. And the good news is the image of the invisible God has come. And so God's image can be renewed in us. And Christ is the model of that renewal for us to follow, for us to seek to honor in God's creation. But he's also the means for that renewal. Because by his life and his death and his resurrection, we're brought back to God. The dirt and the stain of our sin is removed. And by his spirit, God's image is being reinscribed in our hearts and minds day by day, moment by moment. And we're vivified, we're brought back to life, both now, spiritually, and upon the last day when all believers are raised to everlasting life. So Christ is, is model and means Right? These two things in tension were put another way in a, in a song called The Shepherd is the Lamb by the O.C. Supertones. And it starts by asking questions. Questions like, why is there suffering here? Why is there pain here? Questions which get at the heart of our purpose in life. They say this, So what becomes of those small unwanted souls who spend their lives breaking their backs? Those who dig the gold for the rich and powerful who place their feet upon their necks? It seems like we've lost our way. Like sheep, we have gone astray. Can anybody lead us home? And the chorus comes back again and again and says this, the shepherd is the lamb. Do you understand that God became a man, the shepherd is the lamb? The song goes on and says, who is the champion, the friend of those suffering, of those who were never born, the king with the crown of thorns? The good shepherd, the son of God himself, has come and is the son of man, the unblemished, sacrificial lamb, for us. He has brought us life, those of us who were dead, so that we might live as God intended, glorifying him and enjoying him forever, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The incarnation of Jesus Christ is the greatest message of hope the world has and will ever know. 
Would you pray with me? Father, renew us in your image through your Son. Lord, you have given us this task and this responsibility to bear your image in your world. And Lord, you've also provided the model and the means in Christ Jesus and through your Spirit. Lord, help us this Advent season to be renewed once more and in awe of the fact that you came down for us. Renew us by your Spirit, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.